0: Hello, I'm Amanda Jezik, IDSA's Senior Vice President for Public Policy and Government Relations. Welcome to IDSA's COVID-19 podcast series that aims to keep IDSA members, medical professionals, and the public informed during this pandemic by talking with experts in the field of infectious diseases. In this episode, we'll be talking with Dr. Kip Talbot of Vanderbilt University Medical Center and Amber Clayton of the Society for Human Resource Management about employer vaccine mandates. Thank you both for joining us today. Dr. Talbot, let me start with you. Where do vaccination rates currently stand in the United States? And knowing that there are some inconsistencies across the country, are these rates enough to bring the pandemic to an end?
1: I think you highlight a very important discrepancy in vaccination rates. They are not the same across the country. There are pockets of very low vaccination rates where COVID can quickly spread and cause disease, illness and hospitalizations. And then there are other areas where vaccination rates are very high. Overall, however, we're only really between 60 to 70% vaccinated. So that leaves us with some room for improvement and some opportunities for growth. And those numbers will help us to continue to lower the high numbers that we see in hospitalizations. Now, will that make COVID go away? Probably not. COVID's probably here to stay now. Will it come and go every year like flu? We don't yet know. What we really don't want are the hospitalizations and deaths that we've been seeing and the large numbers that have spiked, making it difficult to provide really good, adequate care for everyone who's sick since people have gotten sick at the same time.
0: We hear of people who are fully vaccinated, still contracting COVID-19. The unfortunate death of Colin Powell from COVID, despite his being vaccinated, attracted quite a lot of attention. Are current vaccines still providing protection?
1: Current vaccines still are providing protection for people whose immune systems will respond to the vaccine. And what do I mean by that? So vaccines teach your immune system how to fight a disease to keep you from getting critically ill. If your immune system is not working, a vaccine will not work either because you don't have anything to respond and learn from the vaccine. So we know people who are immunocompromised, not only do we give them a third dose with the hope that that will really boost their immune system, but we also know that we have to protect them by vaccinating everyone around them. We don't want to introduce a virus to them that their immune system can't fight and can't learn from a vaccine. So it's really important that we understand the limitations of the vaccines. And that really points out why everyone who's young and healthy and feels like, oh, I won't get sick. Yes, we need you to get vaccinated for yourself, but we need you to get vaccinated for everyone whose immune system is not going to respond. And that can be someone with cancer, on chemotherapy, with an autoimmune disease, or someone who's really old and frail.
0: Can you talk about the impact of the Delta variant on the effectiveness of the vaccines?
1: When we first had the vaccine, there was a very good match with the vaccine component and what was circulating. Unfortunately, Delta's a little bit different. So we still get protection, but is it as awesome and fantastic as it was when the vaccine first came out? No but it still protects very well from severe disease. It really protects from hospitalizations, ICU, and death. We are now looking at that third dose. You know, who needs that third dose or that booster dose? It's those people who Have really high risk factors for severe disease like older age or comorbid conditions like diabetes and heart disease. And so we're really trying to give that group that third booster dose to raise those antibodies high enough to really fight Delta and maybe some other variants that might come about.
0: Do you anticipate that everyone will ultimately need a booster dose at some point in the future?
1: I don't know. I'd like to remind everyone when we talk about this virus, we are learning as fast as we can. like trying to drink out of a fire hose. And we are still doing that 20 months in. We have yet to see how this is going to settle out. We anticipate that COVID will be less likely to mutate as quickly and as efficiently as we gain some protection from it and have some immunologic memory to it. Hopefully that will slow down and that might change how we look at this disease. But at this time right now, it has lots of pockets across the world where it can like plop itself in and reproduce and replicate and mutate and change. So whether that's a booster dose or a vaccine with a new viral variant, we have yet to see. I mean, that's one of the reasons why it's important that not only do we vaccinate Americans, but we share that vaccine. So those pockets of mutation can't occur.
0: Amber, let me turn to you. Your organization, the Society for Human Resource Management, has not only worked with numerous organizations as they navigate vaccination policies, but you've also studied these policies and their impact on a larger scale. What can you say overall about the employer response to COVID-19 in terms of vaccination policies and practices?
2: Dr. Talbot said best about uh, drinking through a water hose or a fire hose. Uh, that's how it's been with employers, just trying to understand what the guidelines are, what the regulations are and how to comply with it and what they need to do within the organization. So with regards to the response, I mean, as many of the listeners probably know, President Biden announced that new rule requiring employers with at least 100 employees to mandate that their workers be vaccinated against COVID-19 or to undergo weekly testing. In addition to that, of course, the president had signed orders requiring that most federal employees and contractors and most healthcare workers across the country needed to be vaccinated as well. So you know, what we've found is that employers are concerned about administering these requirements. Before the Biden's administration's announcement, 11% of organizations said they required their employees to get the COVID-19 vaccine as a condition of employment. Uh, 76% of organizations didn't mandate the vaccine before the announcement and 13% didn't mandate the vaccine but have considered doing so. Although the majority of the organizations did not mandate the vaccine before Biden's administration's announcement, nearly 7 in 10 organizations say they meet the criteria for the administration's vaccine requirement. And we know that through our recent surveys that, you know, organizations feel that there are going to be, you know, issues. For example, 85% said the anticipated requirement will make retaining employees more difficult. said that some of their employees will quit due to the new mandate. 78% HR respondents said the vaccine or testing requirements will make attracting and hiring new employees more difficult. And 72% said that it's going to make regular business operations more difficult. So we know that there is what we call a resignation tsunami or turnover tsunami, and many employers are having challenges right now of retaining their employees as well as attracting talent. And so there are definite concerns from employers about that, but they're still moving forward and making those decisions as to whether or not they're going to mandate the the vaccines or mandate vaccine. Testing were not at all if they're not um, under the Biden administration rules.
0: Is there anything that you would add, Amber, about how employer policies and practices have changed over the course of the pandemic? At the, over the course of the pandemic,
2: again, you know, many employers were trying to determine what was best for their organizations. Uh, many of them you know, of course, want to make sure that their employees are safe and they have an obligation to do so under OSHA's general duty clause. We know that employers were creating policies and practices when it came to safety measures. And now, of course, there may be that requirement to provide vaccines depending on whether or not someone's a a federal worker, federal contractor, or healthcare worker. So employers are still continuing to figure out what their compliance obligations are, but then also what's best for their organization. And they're trying to keep their employees safe, their families safe, their clients, their vendors, and they want to continue to be operational. So, you know, these are all decisions that they they need to make and have continued to make. But again, things have changed, and, and so they're just trying to, to keep up with all the changes that are occurring and, and making sure that they are being compliant as well.
0: What do you consider to be the biggest driver of an employer's decision to implement a vaccine mandate? What I mentioned about the
2: safety—the safety of their employees and their employees' family members, the safety of their anyone who's coming into their organizations, their visitors, their clients, their vendors—you know—all of those things are, are driving forces. And you know, of course, with that, there is the the decrease of absenteeism, people being more productive, the business being able to be viable and, and to actually uh, stay in business. But I think safety has
0: been uh, number one. And can you tell us what you've learned about the employee response to vaccination policies? Employees, we did a, a survey and what we found is
2: that nearly 60% of the U.S. workers who are not fully vaccinated yet say that they are still unlikely to get vaccinated. Uh, even after the Biden administration's latest announcement on vaccinations, we found that over 20% of the U.S. workers who are not fully vaccinated yet are likely to get vaccinated after the announcement, and 18% are still unsure. We found through our surveys, 52% of the respondents who are not fully vaccinated said they'll likely quit their jobs if their employer requires them to get the vaccine as a condition of employment. But we also know that 60% of surveyed employees support the vaccine or testing announcement. So there's a, you know varying opinions on it, but the employer's concerns uh, may be accurate. There may be employees who are going to quit if they have to be vaccinated.
0: Dr. Talbot, is there anything you'd like to add on the topic of employer vaccination mandates?
1: Many have said they would quit, but when push has come to shove and the day the deadline has come out, many have rethought that statement and have decided to be immunized. So I think there is that fear that people will leave, but what we're finding is it's a minority that are leaving. And we always hate to see employees go, but we also want to protect our, you know, I'm in healthcare, so we want to protect our patients and our employees. And I think that's probably true if you're not necessarily healthcare, because you have clients and customers and you want to protect them and your, like you said, your employees and their families. So I know it's a scary proposition to mandate because of that pushback, but it's amazing how many people say they won't, but then end up becoming vaccinated.
2: And we do still see employers providing incentives too for getting vaccinated. And of course, they've been providing education all along. They've been providing incentives like bonuses or allowing people to take paid time off to uh, go get vaccinated. So um, I would agree. I think that there are going to be people that if it does become mandated, that they will, in fact, stay, even though they're saying that they're not going to stay.
0: Any final thoughts from either of you on the topic of COVID-19 vaccination and the role of employer-based mandates?
1: I really think it's important that everyone has access to good information. I think it's striking how much misinformation
0: (laughs) there is,
1: even from what you would think might sometimes be a reliable source. Um, And my husband, like me, is an infectious disease physician and has spoke to many groups. Um, Both of us do it together sometimes and sometimes separately. And it's amazing how appreciative people are of actually having an expert come in and answer questions. And so I think it's really key. And I think societies like IDSA provide that opportunity to provide experts to come in and say, yes, let me answer their questions. Let me talk to your employees and answer their concerns. I think it's really important so that everyone is comfortable with this decision and feels like it's the right thing to do for them and their family and their clients and customers. And so I think. Having that expertise available to answer questions so that there is a reliable source is so important.
2: And I think also, and we didn't mention this, but OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration will be coming out with the emergency temporary standards soon. And I know right now there's some uncertainty and questions for employers around the new mandates from the Biden administration. And employers shouldn't just not do anything at all. They need to be proactive. They need to be looking at, you know, what's happening within the organization, serving their employees, looking at their current policies and making informed decisions about what they're going to do for their organization, but also too, you know, making sure that they're keeping up on the changes and looking out for that ETS that hopefully will be out soon.
0: At this time, I'd like to thank Dr. Talbot and Amber for their time, participation, and expertise. For the latest information and resources on the COVID-19 pandemic, visit IDSA's website, idsociety.org, and don't forget to follow us on social media. Tune in next time as another diverse panel of medical experts discusses the latest on this rapidly evolving pandemic. I'm Amanda Jessick.
1: The views and opinions expressed here are those of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Involvement of CDC should not be viewed as endorsement of any entity or individual involved with the podcast.